This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Uh, there's some things that it's really good for us to think about in this chapter. I want you to keep in mind as we read uh, that there's God. This is about God. It's about his marvelous doings. But it's about Joshua. In a way, he's the, he's the human hero of this section. A remarkable man of God. Nothing against him. Uh, what a great leader he was. Much of the time, uh, he's, he's like a prophetic symbol of the coming Jesus. Not in everything he does, of course, uh, but he, he directs us to Jesus, who is the, is the real leader, and then there's the people. So as we read, uh, just pick up on the different components in that respect, because I think that's helpful. And often that's the case with the Bible, there are different threads running through. And if we can somehow capture all of them, we'll do well. Here we go. Joshua started early the next morning and left Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. That to me, I, it sounds like a suburb in Toronto, that. Um, but I don't think it was. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you must break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the Ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Then he said to the priests, take the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when, we, when you reach the edge of the waters, stand in the Jordan. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Ammonites and Jebusites when the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, come to rest in the Jordan's waters, its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. When the people brought camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the ark of the covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adama city next to Zarathan, the water flowing downstream into the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Lord's covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground, 
until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. There's lots of things in this that don't directly apply to us today. Uh, but there are many things that do apply uh, and we need to discover what some of them are. So we've got this covenant, uh, we've got this Ark of the Covenant and we know that in Old Testament times the presence of God was in that. Now that's different from today, of course it is. The presence of God uh, with his faithful people when they gather together, uh, it is not presumed, uh, but it is often there. The very, very presence of God. Uh, but the Ark of the Covenant, it, it was different from that. God wasn't, but his relationship with the people was. And so there was this, this box and the very presence of God. And the presence of God was known to be extremely powerful, fearful, actually life-threatening. And they carried this box towards the Jordan. It was really God who was going before the people. Now, there were some guys carrying the, the ark, of course. But it's really God going before the people. But such was the sense of danger, holiness actually, uh, which says you cannot come near. Such was that, that the instruction was you've got to keep a long way off. It's in the original 2,000 cubits. I'd kind of rather they put that than a thousand yards. It's, it's somehow to me it's more authentic, and then you can say, well, it's about that. But they had to keep well back, so all the people could see, but also to recognise that God was in the presence of His people, and He was about to do something extremely significant. We recognize that something radical has changed for us. The nearness of God, the, the ability to enter into close presence with him, that's different. Yet, God has not changed. And we must retain that understanding of his nature, which is sometimes fearful. He is powerful. He is holy. And so we cannot just stumble into his presence haphazardly. We come as we are invited, and we must come with clean hearts. Because there is nothing that can stand in the presence of God unless it is clean. So these people, they had to stand back, and they had to watch what was taking place. But they carried the ark and the people needed to follow. Now this is before uh, uh, Joshua does his thing. It, it's showing us that really the one who was leading Israel, the nation, was God himself. Now Joshua was, was the commander and he expected that the people would do what he said and follow him. There's no substitute for that today. It's different. Because the coming of Jesus, the incarnation, brought that commander to lead his people. And so those that are leaders, we're not in this spot. That's not our job. 
This is the job of Christ himself. He leads, we follow. But this is how we must follow. Because Joshua now speaks on behalf of this, this God who is all-powerful. He says this is what is necessary. Now he speaks to them as a whole. But of course the whole is made up of individuals. But this story is about Israel, not specifically the individuals. There are other places in the Old Testament that speak about individuals and how they followed and their responsibility. But this speaks to the whole of Israel. It doesn't divide up where the individual stands before him. But there is a model in it about the kingdom of God. Because all of God's people who are entering into the kingdom, which is now, but it is not fully realized yet, all of those people that enter into the kingdom, they enter individually, but they enter as one. They are part of God's kingdom people. And they have left behind all the things that hinder in the same way that these people as a nation, as they are getting ready to follow, they are told, consecrate yourself. God is going to do something wonderful. Would you like to see God do something wonderful? Well, consecrate yourself. It's the same as sanctification. It's the same kind of idea. But there is a real choosing. There is a real taking hold. It is acknowledging the holiness of God and recognizing that we cannot come close to him and follow him and his ways unless we have become holy, like he is holy, as Peter says in his letters. In other words, separate off from everything that doesn't fit in God's kingdom. Separate off from the pull of the old nature, of wrong thinking, of not recognizing the fullness of the truth of God that God has given to us. Come apart from it. But not just come apart from it, connect yourself to God. This is what is being said. Consecrate yourself. God's going to do something absolutely remarkable. Oh, you want to see this? You want to be part of it? Then consecrate yourself. Put the rest away and grasp hold of him. Now the priests had to go ahead. We know that today everyone's a priest. It's different. But they went ahead and, and they carried the ark. They're getting nearer to the Jordan River because they went ahead. Reality in life is that some people go ahead. That's just the way it is. Uh, but they don't go ahead because they're different or separate. They go ahead because God calls them to go ahead. But he calls them to go ahead so that all can come, all can follow, all can enter in. Now there is a little piece here about Joshua and Moses and that God was going to vindicate his cause and he was going to say, you are the man and as I was with Moses, I'm with you. That's, that's Joshua's personal thing that's going in. But Joshua says something significant again. So there's this call to consecrate themselves 
I don't think that just happens in the, in the snap of, a f of your fingers. It's, it's, it's a serious attempt. It's a real effort. It, it is giving everything that you are so that you can then follow. But after the consecration, he says, come closer. And, and this is actually what God does with us. We do not presume upon him. We know he has made a way. He desires that we are close to him, but we cannot presume we must be ready. Uh, we must have done what God asks us to do. Uh, and it is not a circumstantial thing. It's not, well, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. It's much deeper. It's consecrate yourself. Don't let there be anything that's in between or hold you back from the closeness of my presence. That's what God is saying. He says, now come closer. You've consecrated yourself, now come closer. You've got to listen. You have to listen. Who do you have to listen to? Joshua? Fine, yes. But really, remember it's about God. This story is about God. It's about Joshua. And it's about the people. But who are you going to listen to? It's the words of the Lord, your God. And if we are to be a people who enter fully into the kingdom of God as we move along, that we are taking hold of this freedom that Christ offers us, if we are to be that kind of people, having consecrated ourselves, then we take hold of the invitation. Come closer. But listen to the words of the Lord your God. Nobody else. It's God that we must hear. And this is what God is going to do for you. Now again, it's different. We've got some uh, tribes listed here. They're pagan tribes. They're ungodly. God is with you. That's, that's the first thing we really do need to know. We need to know it individually. We need to know it corporately if we can. We need to know with our shadow of a doubt. God is with you. Now remember that God is with you is conditional to what went on before. Consecrate yourself. And in that, what he's really saying is this, I'll fight for you. I'll dispossess the land of these, these ungodly people. There are some battles uh, that we should not actually be making. There are some that God calls us to do. Because the kingdom lifestyle means encountering the darkness that is ahead and pushing it back by the empowering of God's Holy Spirit. We are called to do that. And you do not do that passively. You do it by engaging the process and doing what you need to as God gives you the faith and the grace to do it. But there are some battles that we should not even try to, to enter into. Uh, and wisdom tells us what they are. Uh, this doesn't tell us in detail, apart from Israel. Uh, and he says, I will dispossess the land for you. I don't know about you, but I take great comfort for that. Because there's some battles that I cannot win, I shouldn't even be fighting. But if I have consecrated myself 
and if I have drawn closer so that I can listen to his voice, then he will dispossess that land for me. That's what God's saying here. So he tells them what's going to happen. I went to feet of the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, just in case they'd forgotten. Its waters will be cut off. There was a major obstacle in front of them before they could enter into the land, and before they could go and conquer Jericho. There's a major obstacle. They couldn't do anything about it. At this point, the Jordan is in full, Jordan is in full flow. There's nothing you can do. They'd have been swept away. They didn't have all the facilities of building some kind of, of bridge over it. And that would have taken too long anyway. There's only way that this can be accomplished is by God's intervention and miracle. It's the only way. And, and sometimes in life, as we are seeking to move forward in the things of God and to, to take hold of that that he puts before us, there are some things in that journey that we cannot do at all. It is better to recognize it than get swept away. It has to be God's doing. You know, sometimes uh, we do things in life and perhaps we accomplish something. It was a difficult task and, and we did it and we did it well and you gain a great sense of satisfaction. That is a very different kind of satisfaction that happens uh, when you have drawn close to God and he says, just watch me. This is what's happening here. It is wonderful. And when you see God do something like that uh, and he opens the way, and he fights for you, there's just something about it that is like nothing else. There's a satisfaction that comes not from self-attainment or ability. There's a satisfaction that comes from being in the right place with God, and he smiles upon you, and he says, just let me go and do the work for you. And he does it. It doesn't mean that even in this they are to be passive. As they move forward, there's just a few of these guys, and they have to go and stand in the water. Now, would you be the, the kind of person that likes to be up front there? And God said, I want you to go and stand in the water. But no, no, I don't want you to do it because, well, I'll get swept away. I'd rather somebody else did it. You know, I'll take, I'll, I'll take the benefit. I'll, I'll move forward on the back of somebody else. But the issue of this is that in the way the priesthood worked, they represented the whole of God's people. Also, some of them had to go and they had to stand in the water. And they did stand in the water. I have no idea how they felt about it. If they, were, if they were men of God that were close to him, that had witnessed some of his works anyway, and they desired to be there, I think that would have been exciting. And I think that faith would be rising up in their hearts. Because they would know that, I can't do this, but I will. Because God has told me. And so they went. 
They weren't passive. They did what God had said. And when they did that, something remarkable happened. There's the Jordan. It's in full flow. It's burst its banks. It's more than they could ever do. But as they stood in the water, God came and he said, just watch me. And the flow was stopped. It was like another Red Sea. It was up in a great heap. And then what happened? They all went across. Now, there's a little detail in here. They went over on dry ground. See, this is how complete God is when he does something. You would expect, okay, fine, this is, this is great. Maybe some a natural thing had happened and this happened. Yeah, well, okay, fine. God did it. But when God does it, he does it well and it's complete. Have you ever, well, of course you have. You've been for a walk. It's been heaving down with rain. And you're in some conservation place somewhere. And you're on the path and it's full of mud. Because it takes time for that water to go and the sun to come on it and dry it out. But they went through on dry ground. This is how God works for us. He didn't say to them, take a mop and bucket with you and just wipe it up. He said, watch me. And he did it. And it was complete. And there's the priests. They're carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and they stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. And the whole nation filed by until they reached the other side. Absolutely bone dry. But can you see that it's God's presence there that made the difference? The Ark of the Covenant and all that that represented dangerous power, the holiness of God, there he is, making himself known, not just in this box overlaid with gold, made himself known in what he did. And that's important for us to grasp. Because we can talk about, we can say we're knowing God, but you know him or if you like, the proof of knowing him is when you see him at work and you observe God did that. There's the real evidence of it. God did it. And like with Jericho, which we'll come to before long, there's something very special about watching God at work. You do your part, you, you make yourself ready, you consecrate yourself. You're not just sitting back passively. You're engaged. If you need to get your feet wet, you get your feet wet. If you need to go on ahead, you go on ahead. If you're one of the guys that carries the weight of the ark on his shoulders, then that's what you do. But God is known by what he does. See, that's the other side of it. So here is God. He's the real hero. Joshua's a hero. And as he leads the people, he speaks into the distant future of the king of this kingdom. And there's all these people. They're not following like lemmings. You know, they're not, they're not just following 
for the sake of following as a rabble. They're not like that. They're following because they've consecrated themselves. They're following because they have drawn near and they have heard the voice of God. And so they follow, walking on dry ground till they reach the other side. It's no different from us, really. It's what we need to do. Consecrate ourselves. Draw near and then get your feet wet. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.